live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Monday, and what do we have to cure your depression? That would be both Bob and Matt on this Mashup Monday. And I will say, Mr. Professional Announcement announcer, we will have much more. I know Christine Lisi doing the ESPN Sports Center update has to promote the national show and all, but much more coming up on Joseph Black and AJ. How about that? We could slide three names into the mix for the mashup Monday. Well done, Mr. Professional Announcer, and good afternoon, and welcome to the Monday mashup, the mashup Monday, as it is called here on 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph with maybe one foot out the studio door because he's getting set to head on vacation, and who could blame him? Uh, Bob Black here. Uh, Matt is actually in the studio, I hear, this afternoon. I am hosting remotely, and AJ is in the um producer's booth is that accurate matt that is accurate yes i uh i'm i'm i have one foot out the door towards kickball at uh 620 so uh, that's the other reason why i've made my way out of the uh, out of my own home estate ah yeah i remember that that those were the two reasons that you were delaying your vacation in no particular order kickball at 620 and the mashup monday on 1061 ESPN. Who can blame you for having a foot, foot and a half out the door already? Go play a fun game. Is this like a championship week today or what's what's the deal? No, we're we're not very good, but we play oh. and we have fun doing what we do. Until you yell and argue with umpires apparently. Uh, I do not. I do not. I'm trying to stifle all this stuff because I'm playing on a team of people who don't know me. So I'm trying to be <laughs> good me instead of the me who argues yeah. over stuff like this. You were a little annoyed with the umpiring or something last week, if I remember hearing you correctly. That is correct. Uh, the yes. opponent uh, had an illegal lineup. Uh, they oh. had three guys batting in a row, which is not allowed. Oh, and I told not. the umpire and he laughed it off and I said, all right. And so... <sighs> File yeah. a protest, Matt. Oh, I did. I emailed the commissioner, nice. and he never got back to me. Can we, can we make a hard knock show out of this? <laughs> I, I will direct it. <laughs> no, this is just a few fun minutes because Matt will agree with this. Talking about your kickball team is like talking about your fantasy football team. Nobody really cares. No, that's what I meant. I want to do a hard oh, okay. knocks on the season of Matt's kickball team. <sighs> Not sure how that would go over. I don't know, Matt, is there drama on the kickball team? Then maybe it would go over all right. No, plus the season's almost over, so that would have we, we missed out on that one. This is yeah. my last game because I will not be in the city on Monday next week right. because I'll be heading down to Charlotte. Right, absolutely, for ACC Media Days, of which I thank you because it gives me Tuesday and Wednesday off next week while you're uh, filling those three hours with ACC football talk. Uh, I guess there was SEC football talk today. They started their uh, media days, plural, in Nashville and announced they're going to Dallas next year, um, which makes a lot of sense with the expansion they will have. And ACC media days remain in Charlotte, right? That's where you're headed, isn't it? Correct. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, that'll be good. So, yes, Matt will have uh, ACC media day covered from start to finish. Uh, full three hours next Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I think we'll uh, 
share the microphone on Thursday when I'll still be down at uh, Colonial Down. So that's coming up in the future. We'll get to that moving forward. So I had something in mind when you when we were talking kickball. and now Oh, you were going to make a hard knocks out of it, that kind of thing. Have you been watching at all the Netflix series Quarterback? I have not gotten to it yet. It's in the uh, it's in the queue. Have you been watching it? I did. I watched the first two episodes. Um, I almost should hold off until you watch it to hear what you've got to say, but I'm a little underwhelmed. And here's why I think I'm underwhelmed. Um, primarily, so it follows the three quarterbacks, and it's very good off-field access. I mean, it's in their homes. It's it's going to the park with their kids. It's shopping. It's in the meeting rooms. You know, it's in the athletic training. It, it's everywhere. It, it definitely is. But I just think there are so many of these out there now that I think it's lost a little bit of the bang for the buck. You know, I mean, all the 30 for 30s, obviously, and the last dance with Jordan and the captain with Jeter and all the behind-the-scenes access that we now have. I I don't know. I I started the third episode last night, and I kind of thought to myself, you know what, I'm not paying full attention. I'm going to stop, and I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up later. And I didn't get back to it last night. So I don't want that to influence you because it's cool behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, and, it, and it's it's riveting in the extent that we covered Kirk Cousins for as long as we covered Kirk Cousins in D.C. And there's a lot about that. And I won't go any further. I won't spoil it for you. Uh, not, not, not that you don't know how that turns out because you do. But I'll be interested to hear your perspective on that. But, but do you understand, kind of get what I'm saying? I mean, there's just so many of them out there that I've seen that in a lot of ways, this just seems like another one in that long list. Yeah, I, I can see that. But I also, I enjoy this format. The uh, Netflix also just announced that they're doing one with the U.S. women's soccer team while they're in the at the World Cup uh, coming up. So that's going to be, I, I enjoy these. I, I, it's, it, it, I enjoy them especially for topics that I don't care about. Like, you know, if they did like, you know, a tennis one or the soccer one involving the U.S. women's team. Like, I'm going to watch the Women's World Cup uh, coming up, but um, I, I, I enjoy the behind-the-scenes stuff. I don't enjoy Kirk Cousins, and I don't really need to know much about Marcus Mariota, but uh, do, sure, give me all the Patrick Mahomes things I can I can take. And maybe that's part of it, because I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, we covered Cousins for so long, and I actually like Cousins. Um, again, I'll stop short of giving you an opinion on that, having now seen him out of uniform and, you know, just in his normal daily life. I'll, I'll wait till you actually watch it, and we can commiserate on that. I'm with you on Mariota. Don't really care much about him. And, you know, Mahomes is fascinating. No no question about that. But And, and I enjoy that, too, and I enjoy that format, and I enjoy it on two fronts. Matt, and you're probably a little bit the same way, but I probably am more just because I've been in the business longer and do it a little differently than you do first of all i just like the behind the scenes i i get that secondly i start thinking about the production like how did they do that how did they have a microphone there how did they know to have a camera there how did they get that you know what i'm saying so i actually view it uh, almost like i watch like the evening news when i watch it twofold what's the content of the news and how did they deliver it, if that makes any sense? Well, and we had some of that here in Richmond when we had hard knocks here yep. with the Houston Texans. And yep. um, we saw some, we saw a lot, we, you know, we had to change where we stood a lot because of um, when those cameras came in. And then obviously the notable incidents that happened, if I remember, there was a fight that happened between the two teams uh, and was on camera. The, the lines weren't straight and J.J. Watt wasn't happy that the, there was no music. And then, of course, there was the 
infamous final line that says, let's get the bleep out of Richmond. That probably didn't help us. So, But, yeah, we saw some of that stuff here when Hard Knocks was here. And I'm with you on on all of that. And, like, uh, for some reason, I'm not sure why. Maybe I was just distracted by something else last night. I don't know. Maybe I was still on cloud nine over another great gutsy Phillies win or something. I don't know when I went to watch it last. But I'll put it back on tonight. I'm up to episode. How many are there? Do you even know? I don't even know how many there are in that series. I think there's eight or nine, maybe. I'm up up to number three. So I'll I'll go back tonight uh, because there's no Phillies. There's no Braves. I'll go back and try and watch episode three again tonight and uh, talk some more about it. But I'll be interested to get your perspective on that, certainly, because I don't know. I was just um, a little underwhelmed by it. And I and the reason I thought was that is that they're, the proliferation of them has been a, a lot. Uh, hey, speaking of proliferation, you know I get all my, all my material off of your three to four border to border, right? Yes. So I was, I will admit, I was, I was half listening while I was prepping stuff and doing some other things to get ready. You were doing a list of top wide receivers. Is that correct? Uh, Madden came out with their top 20 uh, for the NFL. Um, So that's kind of where I got it from. Okay. So you kind of compared, did I not hear AJ Brown's name on your list? AJ Brown, it was eighth, I believe, according to Madden. So he was not in the part. He was after uh, Terry McLaurin. And I agree with that. Even though I am a Eagles fan, I would certainly take Terry McLaurin over AJ Brown. That's for sure. Really? I don't know that I would yet. I'm a huge AJ Brown fan. So, but so you didn't have him in your top 10? wide receivers well i didn't actually it was it was, oh you I, didn't actually do one correct the only thing oh, i was okay. doing was i was trying to properly place terry mclaurin and then that's where i came up with number two behind justin jefferson gotcha gotcha okay i mean I, i'm a huge terry mclaurin guy i agree with you i i get all that but maybe it is my eagles bias shining shining brightly a little bit there but I, yeah like i said I, for a minute there, i didn't think i heard his name at all but you're telling me he was like eighth on madden's list he's ninth on uh, madden's list ninth. right behind terry mclaurin um in their top 10 and then devonta smith was in the second half yeah. uh in the bottom 10 i could see that i, I could see that but okay i'm just just curious because I, I was like i said kind of listening kind of not and then i'm like wait a minute i know he's an eagles fan where's brown in this list so okay well that hey, that explains it bob Real yeah. quick, I know you're on the spot, but like, wh- do you got like a top ten? You probably can't riddle off ten right off your bat, real quick. But like, what do you think? Wide receivers? Yeah, I don't think I could do ten. Give me five. I agree with Jefferson and Hill, and I'm gonna put my guy Brown up there, and I would put McLaurin there, and either um, probably Stefan. Diggs and maybe uh, what kind of Devontae Adams had a big year, right? I maybe he'd be up there. Did How's that a, for five? He had a big year for the Raiders last year. I thought he dropped off a little. I can't remember to be honest with you, but how's that for five names anyway? I like it. I came up with, um, but I think a lot of people, Matt and AJ, probably have McLaurin further down just because of the team that he plays for and how irrelevant they have been. And they don't quite pick out just his individualism, and he kind of loses some points because of the team he's on. Yeah, if you look at the quarterbacks that he's yeah. had over his yeah. career, it you know the, you're, you're impressed by the numbers that he's put up. Um, obviously, you know his rookie year was the only year he was below a thousand. He had 919 then, um, but I mean, just the the quarterbacks have just been atrocious. Uh, mm-hmm. Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins, and you know some of these other guys, Taylor Heineke. It's just what kind of numbers would you expect him to put up with bad quarterback play? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, that's what I mean. I, I think that's probably got him lower on that list and a lot of other lists because of the quarterback situation, and they just don't use him to to his full potential. Did you um, – uh, I hate to harbor this name because neither one of us liked them. Do you have CeeDee Lamb on there at all? Uh, CeeDee Lamb is 11th on okay. uh, the Madden list. Right. So he's – I mean, he's he's all right, but he's also – I mean, I can also say he's held back by his quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> you, you know, CeeDee had a good year, and he's going to be a good wide receiver, but he's not exactly flush with good quarterback play. <laughs> no, he has not been. I loved your line there when you, when you said that uh, Prescott said he wouldn't have 10 interceptions. Correct. This year. Right. He'll have 12, 14, 16, 18 interceptions. Right. They're you not 10. I love that. Yeah, you know I'm going to agree on that as well. Uh, all right, that's how we're getting started on a Monday. AJ, are you impressed? I went 15 minutes and basically did not mention baseball. Basically. I, I would have enjoyed every second of it, if not Matt closing the show with baseball. So I, I heard just can't. I did. He did. You know I'm going to get to it eventually. But I figured I'd challenge myself and try and go at least the first segment without it. There was just one little slip in there about the Phillies win over the Padres yesterday. Other than that. Not much there. So there's more of that coming up. And here's what else is coming up. Mashup Monday, Sports Huddle. It's all right here for you when you lock in to 1061 ESPN. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. During these hot summer months, donating blood and volunteering is absolutely crucial to the success of the Red Cross to learn how you can help visit redcross.org. How did you enjoy your visit with Jonathan McNamara last week there, Matt, speaking of the American Red Cross? Uh, they always do good things and uh, gave us the update on uh, needing blood and uh, how everybody can help out. Did he give you any updates on the Dukes, the Jets, or the Devils? We briefly touched on Hard Knocks, uh, getting the uh-huh. Jets treatment, and uh, how much he enjoys uh, Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback. Are you being facetious there? Uh, yes, exactly. Well, we'll see. I think he makes them better, though, but we'll see. I got you. Uh, all right, so uh, I think we're wide open all afternoon today. That's how we're going to start the week. It's going to be Matt and I and hopefully you interacting with us up until 5 o'clock, 804-327-0888. And then we're actually wide open in the 5 o'clock hour today. A couple of things fell through, didn't happen for today. They're going to happen later in the week. I sound a lot like you there, Matt. You know that? So uh, we are working on some things, but they didn't work out for today unless something happens here in the 11th hour. Uh, we'll be we'll be wide open. So we'll get into all the topics that Matt was talking about and that I've got on the list to include, obviously, baseball and the NFL and uh, the deadline that just passed at 4 o'clock and Saquon Parkley ready to not report to the Giants camp and all of that coming up. SEC Media Days today, uh, ACC next week. So we'll get into all of that and plenty of time for you to join in. Again, 804-327-0888, phone number and our text line. Mashup Monday. Matt Joseph's there. Bob Black here. AJ pushing the button. We go to break back on the other side. 1061 ESPN. Go Braves! The Braves are back from the all-star break, and all eyes are on the postseason. How far can they go? Listen and find out with us here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves. 1061 ESPN. So I guess it would come as no surprise that at this SEC Media Day kickoff, 
today. And uh, welcome back. Mashup Monday, Border to Border. Matt Joseph, Sports Huddle, Bob Black with you till 5. Then Matt departs for the big kickball game, and I'll take you up until uh, 6 o'clock. But I guess it comes as no surprise that the commissioner in his, you know, State of the Union address of the sec greg sankey spent most of his time matt on nil don't we all spend most of our time on nil at this point i assume jim phillips does that right matt for the acc does he give some kind of state of the acc address i know you've been there before. Uh, it's so long he just it's so long i mean yeah. usually i mean I, I i yeah but yeah he just basically lists all the positive things in the conference mm-hmm. and then he gets into the new developments and things like that so yes it's 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 a talking point but there are a ton of talking points is it a question and answer session with these guys, with the commissioners, or not? Yeah, well, uh, Jim Phillips usually does. Yeah. Uh, David Teal always fires a question mm-hmm. or two off uh, because we know how good of a reporter he is. So, yes, you are able to. It's just you have to stay awake till the end of it. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I, I hear you. Sankey spoke long and hard about NIL. And I just find it a little ironic, Matt. If ever there's a conference in which the rules not applying would help more than any other conference, it would be the SEC, right? With all their money, with all their ways about getting money into the hands of their athletes, I would think the SEC is okay. And yet Sankey today spent, and I get it, he spent all this time talking about only Congress can address what ails us. At this point, the NCAA can't fix these issues. The states aren't doing anything. He said to his knowledge, no state has taken any action yet to enforce its own NIL laws. And that came up as a big controversy when the NCAA came out with this memorandum that said, you got to follow our NCAA rules, and they would supersede the state rules, and everybody kind of raised their eyebrows at that. So it's obviously a mess, and he admitted, you know, there are some under-the-table things that are still pretty ugly. We need the full legislation. And, Matt, I just found it a little ironic in the SEC, where you know as well as I do they get away pretty much with whatever they want, that, that Sankey is really up on his soapbox about this. And I get it. We need law and order back to this thing. But in the meantime, the SEC is going to thrive as much as any conference in the country, in my opinion. Yeah, and we I think we all kind of knew that this was something we had to have in college athletics, and we also simultaneously knew that when the NCAA would unveil it, it would go horribly wrong. And I wouldn't say it's gone horribly wrong. It's just gone a little bit uh, astray because of the lack of regulation involved. I'm going to say it's gone horribly wrong. And believe me, I'm in college athletics, and I'm not at the SEC level, so I see it from that standpoint, and my eye test tells me it has gone horribly wrong. And I'm going to throw another one at you, Matt, and this will be kind of like your homework assignment while you're on the beach and on vacation because I learned this in a meeting at Richmond last week, and I'm not going to go deep behind closed doors. And I mentioned this on Friday. It wasn't really even closed doors, but it was a it was a staff meeting. It wasn't anything you know secretive or anything, but we got updated and I don't know if you've ever even talked about this, the Division One Transformation Committee. Like, most people don't even know what that is. Beyond NIL and Transfer Portal, this committee is made up to basically change all of the ways of college athletics. And what I learned, Matt, on Friday morning, I guess it was, was how much the pendulum has really swung to the athlete. I mean, way beyond what you and I knew was already happening with those two, with NIL and Transfer Portal. And I'm telling you, Matt, you, you may think I'm embellishing this, but if all of these things happen for the athletes, there will be many, many 
Division one schools that won't be able to be Division one schools anymore. How's that? That's interesting. Uh, that's certainly uh, a, a different perspective that I didn't think I'd hear, that's for sure. They won't be able to afford it. The things that are on the table, and they're not the sexy things. They're not the headline things. They're not the NAL. There are things like they would be able to pay for their education for X number of years if they leave early because they signed a scholarship. Their insurance coverage would continue for X number of years, even after their time at a school was done. All these things come with price tags that I really don't think from the low mid-major level down to the low level, that they will be able to afford. And it's going to create what I guess we've talked about before, and that is like the Power Five being whatever, Division One, and then everybody else being something else. And after what I heard Friday, I think it's more imminent than most of us think it is because I just don't think that most of these Division One schools that aren't football powerhouses with millions and millions of dollars in their budget – are going to be able to afford it and that would be a shame um but then i think maybe you have more people dropping down a level then um i don't think college football and those athletics will completely disappear but i feel like you just won't have as many people playing in the fbs level that's exactly right i think that's what's going to happen and i think we probably talked about this years ago even before all of this happened that there would be a new division created somewhere somewhere probably between fbs and fcs although i still believe after what i've heard and i did a little more reading over the weekend and somebody actually tweeted out almost the same um thing that i talked about on friday who wasn't in that meeting with us at richmond on friday that the costs were going to become so traumatic so severe to these schools that, that they wouldn't be able to operate the way they're operating now. And, again, it's not the headline stuff. It's not even NIL, scholarships, transfer portal. It's all the other things that are below that that this transformation committee is working with. And, look, I'm not anti-athlete, and I'm, I'm glad he and she are getting some of their due, but I think it's gone way overboard to the point that it is horrible at the NIL level, and it looks like it's going to get even more. The pendulum's going to swing even further for the athlete, and I really do worry about the schools that won't be able to afford it, believe it or not. And that's a shame because those are usually the same schools that provide us the upsets in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament and the uh, the great stories in college football from time to time. So that would be that would be very unfortunate. I do think those are the schools we're talking about. I think you you nailed it. The, the UMBCs of the world. Um, I'm blanking here. Who who was uh, St. Peter's? of the world, those kind of schools. I, and I think it's going to be very difficult. I think the others, like at the Atlantic 10 level, are probably going to do their darndest to survive and, and, and probably will, probably in some different way, shape, or form, but they probably will. It's those schools that you just kind of alluded to, the, the, the real Cinderella's of the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure where they're going to wind up, and maybe not in the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, hey, listen, if there's enough people in that lower level, we will still have an NCAA tournament. It just won't be known as the NCAA tournament. It'll be the uh, FCS uh, basketball tournament or whatever they want to call it. Goodness knows I love the FCS and I love the FCS tournament, but that would be a really crying shame if we separate the basketball tournament. And by the way, before we go to the break here, are you a fan of the expansion to 90 teams or not? No. 
No. Okay, good. We have to stay at where we are. Um, you better start bracing yourself on that one also because um, that was that was a little bit part of the meeting. I'm not giving a scoop here. It's by no means, you know, even close to coming to a vote, but there's enough conversation about it, and this would make sense, Matt. Most athletic directors and coaches, at least at our level, are in favor of it. And you can figure out why. Obviously, it makes them look better. And I, Richmond's in that boat. VCU is in that boat. Uh, you know, William & Mary is in that boat. I, William Mary might get to the NCAA tournament for the first time ever now if we go to 90 teams. So you know those athletic directors and those coaches are certainly in favor of it. And even though I work at one of those schools, and I hope I don't get in any trouble for saying this, and John Hart's on with us tomorrow, by the way. He'll be in studio from 430 to 5, Richmond's athletic director. I love it right where it is at 68. But I think you can you can get, you can understand why ADs and coaches would want it to go to 90, couldn't you? I guess I do, but that doesn't mean I want it. Um, no. I don't need I don't need coaches backing into an NCAA tournament because we just added more teams, so that way they can get in. I want people to earn it. That way we have you know I, that's why I'm the only one in America who's against uh, the college football playoff uh, going to 12 teams eventually. You're not alone, but I, I would say most of us are okay with that. I was actually okay with that. I wouldn't want it going any further than that, just like I don't want it going any further than the 68 on the men's side. And, you know, the whole thing came back to this 25% of membership should be playing in postseason tournaments. So I guess basketball's at, what, 353 or whatever, and right at 25% of that is 90. My argument there, Matt, is the NIT should count as a legit postseason tournament. Kind of like your FBS-FCS scenario, I think if you're going to the NIT, that means you've gone to a legit, and I emphasize the word legit, postseason tournament because I don't mean CBI, I don't mean CIT, I don't mean any of those pay-to-play tournaments. But if you're in the NCA or the NIT, you're a postseason team, and that would get you to that 90 number. I, I have no problem with that. I have no problem, but I mean it's a separate tournament, though. It's not the it's not the same. It's just it's a separate tournament. But I have I love watching the. Uh, uh, the NIT, I think it, and I, I, you know, obviously it's the petri dish of uh, college basketball because they always put the new yep. rules and things in there. But yep. I, I think that's, I have no problem with that. Yeah, uh, that that would be me. Now you're not playing for the playing for the national championship. I get that, um, but that would be my response: is that you are going to the postseason, and most of them are are probably rewarded for going to those tournaments. So. All right, uh, we're past the bottom of the hour. AJ, should I keep going or go to the phones or we're good to go to the phones? Who would you say Dave is on? All right, let's do that. He's important, so let's do that before we get to the break. AJ will juggle things around. You know, some of us juggle balls in the air. AJ juggles commercials in the air. Dave, good afternoon. Welcome to Mashup Monday. you got Matt Joseph, Bob Black with you on 106.1 ESPN. Hello. I'm not sure how important I am, but... So my question about going to the 90 teams, I know it's easy to say, and this is probably what would happen, and I'm curious, you know, you would just take most of the teams that are in the NIT and just develop them and look, do a look back and see what the tournament would look like if we had 90 teams last year. But I'm curious going forward what your opinion would be. Is this going to let more? Oh, you cut out on us right when you were asking wins. the question. Ask that again, Dave. You kind I'm of sorry. cut out on us a little bit. Okay. Ask it again. I'm sorry. Okay, are, are the teams that are going to that, the mid majors that have the twenty and twenty five win seasons, who did well in their divisions or in their conferences, are they going to get the nods over the eighteen to twenty win 
Power 5 school who was probably three or four games under 500. That, <laughs> Matt, <if it> was, <laughs> Matt you want to answer? <laughs> I know where this answer's coming. Matt, you want to answer that? Uh, that? There's two letters, and that's uh, one is an N and the other's an O. <laughs> so, no, I do not think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that that's the theory, Dave. Right? Is that you know the uh, the fourth place team in the A10 or the second place team in the CAA or something like that would then be able to get in because we get to 90. But I'm I, I'm with Matt. I, I worry that it just means you know 12 of the 16 ACC teams are going to get in instead of nine or 10. And that would make me totally against it, against moving it. You know, and for obvious reasons. You know, I'm the, I'm still the guy who loves football bowl season because I love watching the game between two eight and three teams that you don't see all the time who've had a great season playing in the weed eater bowl, rather than everyone's insatiable desire just to find out who number one is and saying to heck with the rest of the bowl season. And I think there's great stories out there and stuff like this is going to say, hey, come to, you know. Joe Blow University, of course, we're in a Power 5 conference. Yeah, we only won four conference games, but we'll still get in the tournament. I think I think that just does does horrible things to the um, athletics landscape. Well, I'll give you a quick example, and then, Matt, you can kind of follow up here. But while you were talking, Dave, I went to the final net rankings of last year. And I, I know it doesn't necessarily correlate all the time, but the 90th-ranked team last year was Southern Miss – out of the favored Sun Belt that we all we all love, they were twenty two and eight. They played in the NIT. Matt, would they be in the NCAA if this were ninety teams? Uh probably not. That's probably still not enough. Unfortunately, yeah. I just I, I, they should be, um, yeah. but I don't think they would. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. Good point, Dave. Good point. All Dave, right. thanks. Appreciate Thank you, it. Yep, thanks. All right. Uh, really good question and uh, pretty pretty good real-time experiment. I think that's actually a pretty good team to use, Matt, right? Just like his thinking and, uh, you know, there there they are. Southern Miss, 22-8, and eight, didn't get in. Not sure they'd still get in to the 90-team field. I'd like to think they would. And maybe one year when we have a committee that has more mid-major ADs in it, he, they would. But I don't, I don't think they would. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, break time. Let's get the break in. Thank you, AJ. Good job there so we didn't keep Dave waiting through the break. You can dial us up now. It would be a good time to get online if you want to get involved in this conversation or wherever the next 25 minutes or so may take us on the Mashup Monday here on 1061 ESPN with Matt Joseph, Bob Black, coming back right after the break. You covered. You can find full replays of all our shows and interviews at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Just as a footnote um, and full disclosure on my using Southern Miss as the example on our men's basketball expansion to potentially to 90 teams, it, Matt, it probably wasn't the best example, and you probably remember this better than I did. I'll admit I looked it up uh, during the break because uh, I know the Sun Belt, one of your favorite conferences, primarily for football, but also for basketball. They were the number one seed in the Sun Belt tournament. Uh, they got drilled in the conference final. 
and then they got drilled in the NIT as well. So it didn't end particularly well for Southern Miss. I don't know if that's part of the litmus test that we're working with here, but uh, South Alabama beat them by 17 in the Sunbelt Conference final, and UAB beat them by like 28 in the NIT. So maybe that wasn't the best example. Well, but somebody uh, along the same lines, yeah. uh, I think we a lot of people understand that. So, yeah. uh, yes, it, it probably wasn't the best example, but a team like that, I mean, it's, it, I'd like to think of an A-10 team, Bob, but unfortunately the conference didn't uh, really have nope. anybody like that. Yeah, no, I think the A-10 would have gotten shut out one way or the other this past year, but not in most years. I will say that, to their defense. In most years, I think a, a bubble and a- Atlantic 10 team would be a part of that 90-team field. So I get why the, the Atlantic 10 coaches and ADs would like to do it. I, I definitely understand where they're coming from. It's, it's a little bit of perspective here, but as a pure just college basketball fan and kind of an old-timer, uh, I'd rather – keep it where it is i just i also wonder matt if if the eyeballs will still be there for the networks if we're adding another weekend to this thing and the first weekend involves teams in you know the 70s 80s and up up to 90 playing i I just don't know if the numbers would would equal what we're trying to accomplish here well, thankfully, they uh, the NCAA met and uh, decided they're not going to expand right. for now. So that's now. that's good news. Yep, keywords there for now. So uh, anyway, keep thinking about that. We'll talk some more about it. Uh, I, I can't go anymore without going to baseball um, uh, before we get you out of here at at five o'clock. And AJ, you will be happy to know because I know you hang on my every word, particularly when it comes to baseball. Of course, we pay you for that, man. I can tell you after this past weekend. I now have a more annoying, more underachieving team in Major League Baseball than the New York Mets. And the Mets are a very, very underachieving team. But, A.J., i got to tell you, I've got a team that's even worse than the New York Mets. (laughs) I know where you're going. (laughs) Because I watched them all weekend because they were playing my fills. And that's the San Diego Padres. Way worse than what I've seen from the Mets. Although, and we got our butt kicked by them. You did. I know you did. And, and um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Batty. Beatty? Beatty, the third baseman. I mean, he's like the laughing stock of Major League Baseball right now. Did you see the pop-up, Matt, that he, that you know, he couldn't catch at third base? Several times I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, and understandably so. Not only doesn't he catch the pop-up at third base, but it comes up and hits him in the face as well, just to add insult to injury. And, and they lose another one to the Dodgers. So the Mets are certainly there. Matt, I don't know if you watched any of the padres Phillies series this weekend, and I'm thrilled that the Phillies won three out of four, and there were some gutsy wins, critical wins, in my opinion. I know there's still 60 games to go, but these were critical wins at home against the Padres. That's the most underachieving team that I – they just – they look miserable out there. Like their body language, their facial expressions – they look like they're playing for themselves and nobody else. They don't hustle. They don't get to balls they should get to. Um, I don't know if you watched any of the Padres. They are a hot mess. I uh, watched most of the series. And uh, you, listen, you know, uh, A.J. Preller is a general manager who I think everybody has in their fantasy football leagues because he just makes trades to make trades. I mean, when you add all those high-priced pl- players and just expect them all to perform, well, when they don't perform and they're still getting and paid a lot of money, that's what you're going to have happen. And look, I mean, the names in that lineup are, are, I mean, Soto, Machado, Bogarts. You know who I think are two really good players? 
Cronenworth and Kim, their third baseman, uh, second baseman, and their first baseman, are are really good players. Like Kim might be my favorite player on that team, and most people probably even heard, haven't even heard of him. Uh, they they're loaded with talent, and I don't know the, the play um, when the Phillies won the game by two. Maybe it was the first game of the doubleheader on on Saturday when um, Stott and I guess Castellanos and Wright collided on the last play. And, and Stott still caught the ball with the tying runs on base. Watch the two runners. They jogged to their next base. I mean, they're the tying runs with two outs in their last at bat on a pop-up to shallow right, and they just assumed it was going to be a routine catch, and it was anything but routine. If that ball had dropped, I'm not sure either one of them would have scored, and if they were both running hard, they both would have scored and tied the game. It was just some inexcusable baseball to me. Yeah. I mean, well, this is the problem, though. I mean, and obviously this is longer than the whole season has been so far, but this is the problem of 162 game seasons because you can throw some games away and there's the dog days. But obviously the Padres haven't played well at all this season. But yeah, they're just they're just a mess all the way around. See, that's where you and I disagree. That's where I say that's exactly why we play 162 games, because we will weed out these pretenders because they'll do crap like that and not run it. Like, I almost wish that ball had dropped. If I would have known that the next batter would have gotten out, the Phillies still would have won, I would have loved for that ball to have dropped just for the scathing criticism. I don't even remember who was on base. I want to think Soto was one of them. And I try to be a Soto fan. I I think he's good for the game. I like his personality. I know it can be annoying when you're on the other team. But I do think he was one of the two. I just would have loved to have heard the criticism for two guys loafing it out in the bottom, top of the ninth inning as the tying runs and the ball drops and neither one of them scores and then the next guy strikes out. So uh, that that's where you and I differ a little. That's where I think 162 does show you the cream will rise to the top. Well, well I, mean, that, I mean, that's obviously what happened here, although it's a larger sample size because they haven't been good at all this season, so um, one game doesn't show it. I, I was disappointed. Soto's a bad fielder, and, and he's very he lazy. He's he just is. He's just one of these guys who's uber talented, but has not. He doesn't run out of the batter's box. He doesn't do any of that sort of stuff. Hundred percent. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more on on the Soto thing. And I try to like him. Like when he was in D.C., even in the same division as our team, I I tried to like him. But you're apt, and I always said even in D.C. because I went to several games up there, and, and you could just you know watch whoever you want to watch as opposed to what the television cameras are, are showing you. He he is lazy or has been lazy, and he is not. We think Schwarber is the worst defensive outfitter in the league, and the stats back it up, and he probably is. But Soto's not too far behind. There were at least there were at least two balls in the Philly series that he probably should have caught uh, that he didn't in, in left field. I, I'm with you on Soto. And the, and the series also showed that we need ro- robot umpires. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I know we got to get to a commercial, but, uh, you know, I can't believe I'm agreeing with you on that because I am against – well, and I'll say this, Matt. I'm against robo-umpires. I do think the uh, challenge system that I talked about with somebody, uh, who was maybe it was Chelsea Janes, I don't remember, uh, that I would probably approve of, and it would be a unique challenge system. The players would have to do it. I think there's some intrigue in that. Like you would get two or three a game you know, for a ball strike, and either the pitcher, the batter, or the catcher would be able to challenge it. No manager, no looking. At, you would just do it right away, and it would be over in like three seconds. 
That one I think I could go for. I, I think when you say robo, are you kind of saying I want a robot back? Or I just want the – I think it's 12 cameras that they angled down on, on the plate and the batter. You would just want that full time? I want I want a proper strike zone. Uh, that's all. I don't care how we get there, but the humans clearly can't handle it. Well, see, here's where you and I are going to have a, a discussion. We'll do it after the break about proper strike zone. I love that phrase, actually, because I actually agree – in a 12-3 to game in the ninth inning, my proper strike zone is probably different than what a robo-ump would give me. You know where I'm going with that? No, I'm not sure. No. If the ball's two inches off the plate in a 12-3 game in the ninth inning, I'm calling it a strike. I'm okay with that. Swing the bat. Uh, so that that's where I differ. I, I do think there are some situations. Pouring rain, you know, fifth inning, we got to get this thing complete. Pitch is borderline. Call it a strike. That I, I'm okay with. But 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 what we saw over the weekend, and, and here's my – well, let me take a break. We'll come back to this after the break and finish it up and get you out of here, Matt. Uh, we'll finish up our mashup Monday hour of the sports. You can tell I'm excited about this topic. Back in a moment, 106.1 ESPN. The Atlanta Braves are rolling with their sights set on a sixth straight division title and their second championship in three years. Catch the action here on 1061 ESPN Richmond, your home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. Okay, a couple minutes left with uh, Matt. He'll depart at 5, and then I'll take you till 6 o'clock. No Braves baseball tonight. They're off um, this evening. Uh, so the one thing, Matt, that I, if I'm an umpire, the one thing I'm asking about right now uh, until they do this for real is, is that box, like, totally accurate and official, right? Now, I think because I think this is like the TV networks and the team's, you know, television partners doing that as opposed to Major League Baseball making sure it's a, it's exactly right. I don't know how the technology works, that they, they get the box. I understand the width will never change. Home plate is 17 inches across. It's going to be that. But the up and down, doesn't that depend on the height of the batter? Yes, of course it does. Yeah. Or at least I would th- I would have thought it was. Maybe that's the uh, the answer is getting rid of the box on the TV broadcasts because Maybe. if you don't see how bad the uh, call was, then you won't have anything to complain about. It was horrible over the weekend. If the box was accurate over the weekend, it was absolutely in the Phillies Padres series. It was absolutely horrible both ways. Like I'm sure you watched the Phillies broadcast. So John Cruck, you know, he's about as outspoken as they come, complaining about umpires. But he was, and he's a homer for the Phillies, which you know that's that's part of his charm. I, he was as outspoken both ways as I've ever heard him. Now he's a former Padre too, so he probably has a little bit of love for the Padres. But it was just horrible both ways. If that box is accurate, which I would hope they would, it would be if they put it on the broadcast. Yeah, I mean, as, as best as they can come up with. I was reading a little bit about it, and I guess in the minor leagues where they're they're using it, uh, there's like twelve cameras that are aimed at home plate. I don't even know how it works, and they must all mesh together. And somehow, to your point, it must take in the height of the batter and his stance and and all of that. I'd like to learn a little more because I was as frustrated as you or anybody because there were some horrible ball strike calls, really embarrassing ball strike calls, quite honestly. That's for sure. Once again, another rapid-fire, fast mashup Monday hour. Um, Matt, good luck in kickball. I hope the lineups are legal, and I hope you win, and I hope you have a great vacation, and we'll catch up next week while you're at ACC Media Days in Charlotte. Sounds good. 
There goes Matt Josephs off onto vacation, kickball and vacation, and then to ACC Media Days next week. Oh, it's so great to be Matt Josephs these days. He's got a good couple of weeks coming up. We should have a good hour coming up at 5 o'clock. We'll piggyback on what we were talking about in the 4 o'clock hour and more coming up after the ESPN Sports Center. Time is of the essence in both sports.